Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You know what it is? Is that I am a, I'm a beauty enthusiast. I think that's a thing. But like in my career, I have really done so many things. And it, I think it's helped me as an editor, the fact that I'm not just strictly um, within beauty. Because I feel like then things that I'm able to kind of see within other parts of culture and stuff. We've done so much um, when it comes to figuring out like with the business world or with entertainment and other things, like how does beauty touch those things? And there is, there's an element of beauty in everything we do. Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Happy Friday. Woo, woo. It's Friday. It's my first Friday back. First Fridays. Woo. Like Venice. Hey. Oh, sad. <laughs> miss sad. those. Miss, miss the food trucks. Um, welcome back to Los Angeles, everyone. We have a, sorry, we're just really excited. This is a great episode. Can't wait for y'all to hear it. It is. We have two of our idols in the beauty biz on. We have Michelle Lee and Jenny Bailly. Michelle Lee is the editor-in-chief of Allure, and Jenny Bailly is the executive beauty director. And they recently started a podcast called The Science of Beauty, which is basically kind of similar to our episodes where they do a little deep dive into a topic, but they also have dermatologists, cosmetic chemists, and like an ex, some sort of expert on to um, break it down for them. There's like a little bit of Kirby tries in there. Like they try out something. Yes. If they're talking about acids, they'll do like baby foot to see like how it worked on their feet. It's a really, really great podcast. Yes, so they their first three episodes are about hyperpigmentation, sunscreen pores, topics that you guys all know and love and know that Kirby and I love. They are coming on today to tell us a little bit more about it, but they are also talking about their incredible careers and how they got started, which I think is super fascinating. Yeah, and you know, we normally don't talk about like career stuff on this podcast, but we do get so many questions about how do I get into the beauty industry? What is your advice? We have people that are in the beauty industry that really want to know more about like, okay, what's the best way to pitch? Things like that. So they're kind of going to cover all of those things. But even if you're not even remotely interested in joining the beauty industry, you just care about beauty or you are looking for some inspiration for your career, I think that this episode is going to inspire inspire you. It's going to inspire you out the wazoo, y'all. It is. And I think too, like, I had no idea that their careers, basically neither of them started in beauty, which yeah, for the most like part. I think so many of us, um, you know, think that when you are in the beauty world, like you ha- or if you're in the fashion world or whatever world you're in, you have to start your career in that, mm. you know, from day one, mm-hmm. which is definitely not the case. No. Um, so it's very, it's super interesting to hear um, kind of the path that they both took um, to get to where they are today. And, you know, Sarah and I, like, this podcast is based in facts, research, education, also entertainment. We want to make y'all laugh. We want to make y'all enjoy listening to us. But when we are talking about ingredients and things like that, like we're definitely coming from a fact-based place Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. give some personal anecdotes and personal reviews and suggestions. 
the Science of Beauty podcast like takes that, I think, to the next level because Allure has so much prestige and expertise behind their name. Sarah and I have mentioned this before, but like when we write for Allure, we don't just write our article and then like it gets uploaded and, you know, copy checked. Right. Or like, yeah, we like link to our source. No, no, no. 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 It's like, okay, so here is our research sheet with all of our sources so that you can like double check the interview that we did. You can reference the quote. Here's the transcripts. Yep. Um, and then, you know, from there, like it, even even small things like just the way that you word something. Like, well, this is assuming that everybody says this, but like legally you can't say that. Totally. It completely has changed how I've reported. And I'm sure Sarah feels the same way. Absolutely. On the beauty industry. So there is this element of beauty journalism. Allure is the first. Allure is the greatest. Um, We often joke that Allure funds this podcast (laughs) half the time. (laughs) But we think you're going to learn so much more about like the beauty reporting process and things that they have learned from the episodes that they have done so far. Because they're still, they're a little baby podcast. They just got started. They're just a little tiny. Totally. They're like as old as Zoe. <laughs> Seriously. But I also <laughs> appreciate that they've been doing, they've been doing this for so long and they have, even though they didn't get their starts in beauty, they have been in the beauty industry for a really long time and they're yep. still learning new things. Mm-hmm. It was so fun to talk to them because it was just like, you know, talk me and you talking like all the time. Like it's just fun to talk with people who love beauty and have an appreciation and a fascination for it. If I can go as far as to say, I feel like I, I am like the Jenny of the yes. West Coast and you're the Michelle of the West Coast. I mean, what an honor. Listen, probably not. <laughs> but like I was when I was sitting there watching. I this, am not a Michelle Lee, but I hope to be one day. You are a Michelle Lee. Put it in the world. Listen, Jenny. I- we'll add. We'll add Jenny and Michelle to our lists of women <laughs> that we aspire to be. Jenny and Michelle, if you're listening to this, y'all were awesome. We had the best time with you. It was an honor. It was a privilege, and we just had fun. Y'all are gonna hear this. Like we just genuinely had a good time recording this episode. So enjoy this interview with Michelle and Jenny. If you want more of both of them, we have their social handles linked. Um, Go subscribe to the Science of Beauty podcast and make sure that you are subscribed to us on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Los Angeles Pod. And go to our website to access all of our episodes with show notes and links to every product you can even imagine at glossangelespod.com. We have two of our beauty idols, Michelle Lee, Allure's editor-in-chief, and Jenny Bailly, Allure's executive beauty director, on Los Angeles today. Woo! The crowd goes wild. Thanks. (laughs) We are so thrilled. And we're so happy that you came back from mom life for us. If you want to lie down for like 20 minutes in the middle, we totally understand. (laughs) I don't want you to use your whole hour of freedom on us. Jenny Jenny and I are both moms. We get it. Yeah. Go go take a shower. We won't say anything. Run back. (laughs) I Instagrammed myself recently over the weekend and 
someone was like oh my god how do you like have time to like do your hair and all this stuff and I was like well that's why I'm Instagramming myself because I had time to shower for longer than three minutes and do my hair obviously I'm not Instagramming myself covered in spit up and my hair in a bun that's like been like that for four days but anyways Matt's my husband's in the back with with Zoe so I'm good for the hour I'm excited for this. Yes, which we also discovered we both have a Zoe, a baby Zoe. Yes, Zoe is probably, I bet it's like, Kony Emerge is like a name of 2020, like one of the more popular names. I feel like it, I, I don't know any other Zoes. Do you? Do you know a lot of baby Zoes? Uh, you know what? Of my generation, I don't know a lot of Zoes, but I have two older kids. So I have a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old, and in their grades, there's a lot of Zoes. But yeah, it's funny because like when I was growing up, it was all like Michelle's and Jennifer's. And then now it's like Zoe, Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> Kirby, I feel like you have always had a unique name probably, right? Growing up. Yes. My mom named me after Dynasty. There was a character on the show Dynasty. Um, no, that's amazing. Her name was Kirby Carrington. And she was like the least dramatic one, um, which is hilarious considering me as an actual human. She said that she named me Kirby because she thought it would be different. And she changed the spelling so it wasn't a Y. Although Sarah knows I'm constantly fielding, were you named after the video game? Were you named after the vacuum? <laughs> There's a vacuum. vacuum. Kirby vacuums. Oh, I didn't know that. Me neither. It's better than Dyson. <laughs> if you're well, going to be named after vacuum. That's true. I was going to say, I was like, Jenny, that's sacrilege here. Call me Dyson. No, I mean, I, I love a Dyson tool. Don't get me wrong. I actually did a whole clean out of my vacuum, my Dyson vacuum this weekend where I was using my Dyson hair dryer to like blow dust out of my Dyson vacuum. Wow. But as a name, (laughs) as a name, it's not great. That's meta. If I was famous, I would change my name to Kirby Dyson and see if people caught on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ladies, we want to kick things off with Sarah. What's What's on on your your face? face? (laughs) So what are you two wearing on your faces that you're loving right now? Jenny, do you want to start? Sure. So we we can only name one thing? If you have a few, go for it. I think people want to, they care. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm wearing two things that I'm, I've been wearing quite regularly lately. One of them is SkinCeuticals CE Ferulic Serum because taping Allure Science of Beauty podcast these last few months I'm just, it's its renewed my dedication to my skincare routine and always using an antioxidant under my sunscreen. And every dermatologist loves the CE Ferulic. So I've been doing it five drops a day religiously. Ooh, five drops. Five drops. Is that the prescribed amount? Someone told us, yeah, five to six drops. So I've been doing five because I don't want it to be gone more quickly, saving that last drop. And five does it for me. I have not a small face, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... So I'm doing the CE for Rulic and a sunscreen, even when I don't go outside because I'm sitting in front of a screen all day. And also Gucci Westman's highlighter has been my Zoom makeup friend. It's It's just like a clear gel highlighter. I tap it on the tops of my cheekbones and I feel like it makes me look a little more human on all the Zoom calls. Her blush sticks are so good too. Yeah, I like her blush sticks too. That's your like five minute Zoom look. Yeah, mascara and the and the Gucci Westman highlighter. Yeah, and then for me, I have a lot of stuff on my face, but if I had to choose maybe two of them, um, I also like Jenny have been like super into the SkinCeuticals CE and Ferulic. 
Um, also, sunscreen-wise, I actually have right next to me, the one that I'm wearing today, this is the Super Goop Glow Screen. Um, it's tinted, and it does make you look really glowy. I also, um, because I'm on Zoom all day, I have like a window in front of me, so I feel like it's like, da-da-da, it's like hitting, hitting the light in just the right ways. Um, and then also, I have a really splurgy one, which... I just love and I can't get over. Um, the foundation that I use every day is that Clay de Poe one that's like super expensive, but I love it so much. Um, I'm very much not into the matte look. It's all about like dewy, dewy, dewy with me. So that Clay de Poe is just like, I am obsessed with it. Sarah, Dr. Shireen Idris also had a glowing endorsement when we interviewed her for um, Clay de Poe, the concealer. So yes. I feel like yes. our listeners are getting a lot of Clay de Poe in the past couple of weeks. Like we might be turning people into Clay de Poe stands based on these recommendations. <laughs> you know what it is? They're it's so like good. I'm I'm not always for products that are super expensive, but I do feel like there are a couple of them that it's worth the money. Agreed. And so because I just use a little bit of it, and it makes your skin just look like skin still. Like it's not like you're wearing a ton of foundation. Like I'm just I'm very into it. Totally. I think that's perfect. I um I'm a big Armani fan. So I've and and I've been really into concealer this year, like not so much foundation. Although I will say the Say uh, Tinted Moisturizer, have y'all tried that yet? It's super no, glowy. It's nice. um, I'm wearing it right now and I, I love the way it looks. It doesn't give that much coverage, but um, I'll go over with the Armani Luminous Silk Concealer. And I just feel like it makes my skin look super glowy, natural. I can throw on some blush and it doesn't take that much time in the mornings either. Can I say I'm probably the only beauty editor who's like really terrible at concealer? I just... I don't know. I, no, I am too. Right? I, I don't understand why. Like when I try and do it under my eyes, it looks terrible. I've tried tons of different concealers. Um, if I have like a blemish or a pimple or something, I'm, it's fine. But I just, I actually don't use concealer for that reason. I am the same way. I only use it for like covering up pimples and stuff. But otherwise, I, I feel like it look ends up looking cakey on me. And maybe it's just how yeah. I'm applying it. But yeah. So you're not alone. Maybe it's an Asian girl thing, Maybe. Sarah. Maybe. Kirby and I are great at concealer. <laughs> yeah. Jenny and I nail it. So we have to ask you guys, we are in like, I don't even know what month of quarantine. Um, it's been a long time. And Michelle, you know, we were just saying how you were, you were on maternity leave before this all started. So you've been like out of the office for a while now. Um, how has it been going? How has running a magazine and website remotely been for the two of you? Yeah, well, it's funny because I gave birth in like the beginning of February. So I already, um, I was home like before giving birth because I didn't want to give birth in the office, of course. Um, <laughs> so within a couple of weeks after that, I think our whole company was working remotely. So I think Jenny probably has like the crazier story here because when I was out, she was running the show. And it's like, I remember feeling kind of helpless um, being at home and just like watching everything unfold. And so by the time I got back to work in June, everyone at the office already, or I say at the office, everyone on our team already was like very much into Zoom. They had kind of reached like this rhythm where I was like the Zoom newbie. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to really get used to this. It honestly, I think has made some things easier um, running everything because in, in my mind, you can actually be more efficient at doing certain meetings and stuff. There's no commuting. There's no going out for lunch. But that's also kind of the downside, too. Um, it's really hard to have any separation between your life and your work. And so, like, I'm in my office right now. We might hear a baby screeching at some point. Um, my other kids come in. They do, like, silly dances behind me and stuff. And so it, it's been hard, but 
I, I've been so impressed with how everyone has gotten really creative about things. And again, I'll, I'll kind of kick it over to Jenny to talk about some of the things, but I feel like some of the creative ways that we did photo shoots and other things, um, especially in the very beginning of the pandemic, were really creative and, and inspiring. You guys did, I mean, Jenny, uh, when I was you know helping uh, or contributing a little bit earlier in the year, you guys were all doing the best of beauty, like testing and stuff. How was that? It was a little wild those first, I mean, the first couple weeks of, you know, being at home and locked down and what is happening were, you know, obviously focused on making sure everyone was was safe and kind of adjusting to our new normal. And then, yeah, I'd say by April 1st, it was like best of beauty. You know, we, we start, well, we started testing in February. So we'd started, you know, products had been coming in. We left the office. I think our last day in the office was like March 10th-ish. Um, and we did very quickly at least have the wherewithal on like March 11th to reach out to the beauty world and be like, hold the packages. Because <laughs> we just envisioned a mountain of, you know, best of beauty test- testing products at the office that we were not at. Um, but it was kind of amazing. Like we quickly pivoted, you know, we reached out to all of the different, you know, beauty companies and brands and we're like, look, do you think you can conceivably get us products. If you can get product to our homes, we can test it. And everyone was very much on board. You know, everyone on the team was open to testing at home. Um, I mean, our homes and apartments are now, <laughs> you can see what happened. We have at, at-home beauty closets. Um, but it, you know, it went pretty well. We did all the meetings over Zoom, obviously. Um, when everyone's, you know, holding up their arms covered with lipstick swatches and, um, there certainly, it would have been nicer to be in a room together, but it was doable. And we, and we always do reach out to, you know, dermatologists and makeup artists and manicurists and, you know, what are the products you're loving? What are the products you're using on your clients? And so, you know, we did that probably more than ever just to get their feedback, um, to kind of help us out, but you know, I wouldn't want to do it this way every year, but we, <laughs> <laughs> but we really made it work. We had um we had Selena Gomez on our Best of Beauty cover, and so she had uh, she did her own makeup actually for it, and she had her makeup artist Hung Van Go directing her over Zoom. So I feel like it's again like. We would probably never do that had we not been in a pandemic situation, but I feel like it was a really creative solve that made it even more interesting too, because then you would kind of look at her makeup and be like, oh, so how, how impressive the fact that she did it herself. She did an amazing job. Yeah, you kind of realize how complicated we make things. Totally. Not that everyone on Allure Covers going forward will do their own makeup, but but you know, you, you don't have to have <laughs> the huge crew. And you know, we've been doing shoots where like our editors and our creative director are just zooming to the shoot you know when we're shooting in LA obviously we're not going to travel and we've gotten some amazing images so that would be a great new rule if you want to appear on the cover of Allure you have to do your own hair and makeup (laughs) (laughs) I know even Selena so she had her hairstylist who she'd been quarantining with actually you know they were in the same kind of quarantine pod but yeah for she was like I think I can handle my own makeup yeah hair at least for me I don't actually I don't know if I could handle either but I think hair would definitely be the tougher lift I know. I'm like, if I'm going to have somebody come with me in my pod, I would want on my hairstylist to be the one doing my hair. I think I can handle my makeup, but I want one on. You could definitely handle your makeup. To 
zhuzh the hair. We could start doing all like pre-styled wigs. <laughs> there you go. Yes, yes. <laughs> so you both are vets in the industry. Like we don't need to say that. But um, can you share with our listeners how you both got started in the beauty business? At first, when Sarah and I started this podcast, we were like, we don't want this to be a business podcast. We don't want this to be a career podcast. We really want it to be focused on edutainment, making people laugh, but also giving them real advice and education in the beauty industry. But we do consistently get a listener feedback. I'm thinking of changing careers or I really would love to know how you got your start in the beauty industry. Um, is there anything that you would have done differently? And I think you two are perfect examples of of working your way to the top. So um, please, by all means, spend as much time as you want on this section of the podcast. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll start on this one. So I, I actually, for my career, have always been more of a generalist. Um, I've been sort of beauty adjacent, actually, throughout my entire career. But I, when I tell people the things that I've worked on in the past, it actually is kind of wild. Um, so my very first job when I got to the city was I was an intern at Glamour. But then between that and today... I have done everything from um, written about technology, finance. I used to cover extreme sports. I didn't know that. I've worked on things. Yep, yep. I was an extreme sports reporter. I have. Wait, done can I things. wait? Can I ask what an extreme sport? Is? They all seem extreme yeah. to me. It was well back then. It was sort of like. Um, it was like the X Games type of thing. So it was really a lot of like snowboarding, skateboarding, stuff like that. Okay. I've done fitness. I've reached. I've done things on every single age range. I've done things for parents all the way up to older people, to teens, everything else. And so at a lot of my jobs, though, I was the editor of beauty. I wasn't necessarily a beauty editor, but I would kind of like top edit those sections. So, you know, I don't know that I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And that kind of mirrors, I guess, the rest of my life, too, that when I was younger, I was never a, someone who was like, oh, I want to be an editor. I said, actually, for the longest time, I wanted to be a baker. And I have no idea why I said I wanted to be a baker, but I was like, yeah, I want to be a baker. And so when I got to college, I discovered I really loved journalism, went into actually got, I got my BA in um, magazine journalism, so specifically. And I feel like I kind of fell into certain things and eventually found my way within women's publishing. Um, I've worked at Glamour, Mademoiselle, um, I, this is actually my fourth time at Condé Nast. Um, went back around to Glamour as a senior editor. I left and started my own branded content agency. And then right before Allure, I was the editor-in-chief and chief marketing officer at Nylon. And yeah, so Condé Nast came calling with Allure about five years ago. And I was like, okay, how can I say no to that? It was sort of this dream opportunity. And so this is my first role where it is strictly beauty. Um, again, I've worked kind of adjacent to beauty for such a long time, but I really, I love it so much. Um, I'm, of course, like a big skincare and nail art fanatic, um, but I feel like not only just like the product things, but I'm super proud of all the things that we've been able to do with just like redefining what is beauty and what is beautiful. Um, so it's, it's been such a fun five years. I, that would, you would have fooled me, though, because just looking at your Instagram, you are like such a beauty expert. Like when you are doing your eyeliner or like walking through your skincare routine, it feels like you've been doing beauty for all your life. 
You know what it is, is that I am a, I'm a beauty enthusiast. I think that's the thing. But like in my career, I have really done so many things. And it, I think it's helped me as an editor, the fact that I'm not just strictly um, within beauty. Because I feel like then things that I'm able to kind of see within other parts of culture and stuff. We've done so much um, when it comes to figuring out like with the business world or with entertainment and other things, like how does beauty touch those things? And there is, there's an element of beauty in everything we do. Yeah, I was going to say, Michelle, I feel like it gave you a bird's eye view of everything happening in the world and how beauty touches on those different categories. And then it inspires more, I guess, inspires more inspirational content. Definitely. So yeah, maybe we'll do a whole issue on extreme sports, Jenny. I know, I know. I'm just thinking like, what's the beauty (laughs) culture of the X Games? I feel like there's, there's beauty culture everywhere. There's a lot of skincare, actually. Yeah, because if you think about like with snowboarders and stuff too, it's like they're, and surfers, it's like there's so much with like the sun. Looking forward to that issue. So cool. All right, Jenny. Okay, my, I mean, I guess similarly to Michelle, similar to Michelle, similarly, um, can you have your copy editors look into that one. <laughs> um, I no, I certainly didn't set out to be a beauty editor because I didn't know there was such a thing. Like it was always kind of then as I got on in my career and I was interviewing people for jobs um, and they would say like, I've always wanted to be a beauty editor. I was like, how did you even know that existed? Um, But you know, back in the days long before social media, I don't even think I knew like what a, I read magazines, but I don't think I even knew like what a masthead was. Um, But I was interested in journalism. I graduated with a degree in English and French. Um, from college. So there's really no clear career path there. So I went back to live with my parents, took my unemployed self back home. I grew up in Washington, D.C. And, you know, in D.C., everyone was doing politics or, you know, getting ready to go to law school. And I didn't really want to do that. And there was um, a city magazine there, The Washingtonian. It's kind of the lifestyle magazine of D.C. So one of the few publications that isn't, you know, politics focused. And I got a job as an editorial assistant at the Washingtonian, mostly fact checking like their restaurant section. <laughs> but I did a little bit because it was lifestyle. I remember the, the first beauty story I ever worked on was trying to figure out what lipstick Monica Lewinsky was wearing for her Barbara Walters interview. Yes. So this was 98. It was kind of a crazy year to be in Washington. I mean, there was a lot going on. Incredible. But it was, you know, before, I mean, I shouldn't say it was before the internet, but this was like this old school. So there was three editorial assistants. We shared one computer and we were told not to use the World Wide Web. They were like, <laughs> it's all lies. You are fact, you know, our main job was fact checking. So they're like, here's your telephone and pencil and you know but do not use the world wide web anyway so even just finding out you know something today that you would google in two seconds and i think it was a club monaco lipstick remember when club monaco had a beauty line wow i think maybe even like diane kendall was behind it how did you guys track that down we found the makeup artist we figured out like the makeup artist she had used and then we had to track down the makeup artist you know probably opened a phone book i don't know track down the makeup artist (laughs) (laughs) information and um yeah and called her up and you know figured out the lipstick so that was my my first beauty story I still didn't know there was such a thing as a beauty editor 
So then I moved to New York after about a year because there wasn't there weren't that many options other than the Washingtonian in DC. And I got a job at iVillage. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Blast from the past. You yeah. You're too young for yep. iVillage. You remember iVillage, Michelle, right? So it was like, that was 99. So they had just had, it was one of the many, you know, internet startups. They had just had their IPO. And a friend of mine who worked there was like, oh yeah, they'll just hire like anyone off the street. Like they'll totally <laughs> hire you. Like they just need warm bodies. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> so sure enough, I go in and they were like, okay, we could slot you in on beauty. We need a beauty editor. Like we're launching a beauty vertical. Um, and it was Jenny B. Fine. So who is the editor-in-chief of um, Beauty Inc. at Women's Wear Daily. Um, and she had come from Self. I think she was the beauty director at Self and was going into this like brave new world of the internet. Um, and she was launching this vertical. So then I worked with Jenny and that was, you know, she was like, yes, this is there's such a thing as a beauty editor and this is what it is. Um, and it was just a great year and I learned so much. And, you know, Jenny took a very journalistic approach to beauty. And so then from there, I wound through a couple other jobs. And then by like 2004-ish, I was at Allure, my first tour at Allure. And then working for Linda Wells, who also took that same very journalistic, you know, we were reporters. We could be reporting on anything. It happens to be beauty. Um, but bringing that kind of rigor to beauty editing um and then from there i went to the oprah magazine worked for val monroe the amazing val monroe at the oprah magazine um doing their beauty which gave more i mean i wouldn't say like a softer side of beauty but really looking at kind of the emotion of beauty in a way that um I hadn't been doing as much at Allure and kind of the quote unquote real women. I mean, all women are real, but you know, kind of the yeah. non-model, non-actress experience of beauty, which was a great, um, a great thing to do for a few years and a great kind of new perspective to think about. And then I eventually made my way back to Allure and started right before, maybe Michelle, I think it was like a year before you came on, I came back. I was pregnant with my second child like six months pregnant came back went on maternity leave came back from maternity leave and then Michelle started not that long after yeah. the time has has flown by I can't believe it's in like I've been there for five I years. know five years you actually just brought back also Jenny when you said I village I I can't, can't remember I forgot this I used to write salon reviews for do you remember city search Oh, yes. I used to write <laughs> reviews for City Search. Yes. So I, I am not attached to my hair whatsoever. So I used to just go into salons that they would want me to review and say, do whatever you want to. So I had like wild hair back then where it's like people would give me all different kinds of like highlights, like different colors and stuff. They would chop it off. I went to that Astor Place um, hair place where they, they shaved off the whole back of it. <laughs> wow. I remember even when you first started at Allure, Michelle, you... It was within your first year. You just like from one day to the next chopped like two, like went from having long hair to like a chin length bob. <laughs> and we were like, oh my God, this woman is wild. This is crazy. <laughs> I just, I have no emotional attachment to my hair. Right. And you weren't, we were like, how long have you been thinking about it? Like, did you talk to your therapist? <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I just <laughs> Michelle, I love um, I love that we're finding connections between the four of us. I used to write salon reviews for a website called examiner.com. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
So I was the LA salon examiner and the LA spa examiner. And it's like those, <laughs> those reviews were how I initially got my first um, audition at Pop Sugar to be their on-camera like beauty reporter. So, so wait, can I ask you, did you ever get tired of writing the spa ones? No, no. I, I loved this. I did, weirdly, <laughs> which I never thought I would, but I've had before spa treatments that have lasted too long. And I was like, this is actually too long. <laughs> Where it's like them just like kind of petting you and you're like, all right, I'm done. We're done. We can move on. Yeah, I feel like my time limit is like two hours. Like I've had one before where it's three hours oh, and that's I'm like, a really I'm long over time. this. But I, I didn't complain. I was the, the lowly little girl running around LA getting spa treatments and my hair done. So I was very, very excited about it. But it's so cool to hear how yeah. your careers have transformed. And I think it's really inspirational too for people listening that may be thinking, okay, I feel like I have no clear path. I have no idea what I'm doing. Maybe I'm in a job right now that I'm not super passionate about and I want to make the transition like just hearing those stories is is hopefully giving them a little bit of of inspiration this week yeah you know what it is though too the world is so different now like from when I was starting out it's like especially within editorial there was a much clearer path for people you started as an as an intern then an assistant you became an assistant editor blah, blah blah now I think there are just so many different paths for people that you can start as something entirely different and I know so many people who've done it where they start out in medicine or in law or something and then they pivot and they say I want to get into beauty next how do I do that and so I think now more than ever because education is also so different that you can learn so much online people teach themselves on YouTube other things um, obviously having the strong journalism background in career is like super important to have all of that and the training um, but I think if you wanted to work in beauty there's not necessarily like one path for it I was just going to say one of our recent podcast guests on, on the science of beauty podcast was a dermatologist who used to be an allure editor but that was like a pivot you know that was who is a major that? pivot her name is um, Laurel Garrity Laurel Naverson Garrity Naverson was her maiden name she now has her own practice in Oregon I feel like that's Kirby's future by the way I'm like inspired. I mean, you should talk. You should talk to her. She was. In, it was interesting too. She was talking about like leaving. She'd been at Allure and Glamour, deciding she wanted to go to med school, but didn't have any of like the undergrad credits. So first had to like do all those classes. Wow. Bombed the MCAT, but was like, okay, I'm gonna try again. Like studied for another year. Did well in the MCAT. I think went to Stanford, right, Michelle? She went to Stanford. Yep. So did really well in the MCAT apparently. Um, yeah. And now she's a dermatologist. But anyway, it was one of those moments of like, you can kind of do anything and keep, keep winding. Good for her. We love to see it. How has the industry sort of changed um, since you guys uh, started? Well, you're also so in front of the camera now in a way, you know, for people of like our, gen our generation. Um, yeah, you're, you're kind of expected to do both now, right? Like it's like if you write, and I'm always like, if you write, you can also host, but that's not necessarily true. Or like you're comfortable in front of the camera or, you know, hosting a podcast or something. Um, and then even just, you know, when you're talking about finding out what lipstick Monica Lewinsky was wearing, like that was probably so difficult. But now we can easily just like DM a makeup artist. Like I envy, I mean, we obviously are, you know, Kirby and I still reporting and, and writing and, and finding our, our sources through Instagram. But when I was an intern back in the day, I had to had to like, you know, flip a phone book open or, um, you know, it was like so much more difficult than today. Um, and I feel like 
there's so many things that have changed in that way that have made it easier, but then also it's more difficult. I don't know. What do you guys think? Like what has been like the biggest thing that you've noticed that has changed in the way that we report maybe beauty now versus 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Well, I think one thing that stands out to me is even just who we feature. Um, Because in the very beginning, when I first started in magazines, it was still all models. And the celebrity thing hadn't really happened yet. So that was like the big first shift was like, okay, going from models to then celebrities. And then now, what is a celebrity, right? It's like, yes, you have Hollywood celebrities, you have musicians and everything, but there are athletes, there are influencers, there are business people. Like now anyone can be a celebrity. So I feel like the whole world of like, you know, who we're actually featuring. Plus on top of that, obviously with like looking at diversity and making sure that it's not just like the one image of like who is the pinnacle of like quote unquote beauty um, has certainly changed. But I feel like that's been like the the biggest thing that I've noticed, at least within women's media was like who, who, we're, who we're featuring. You go back, it's our, it's Allure's 30th anniversary next year, 2021. It's a big year, but it's been fun and so interesting to go back and look at, you know, early issues. I think we're going to have to do, you know, mask up and do a field trip to the office to look through those 90s issues that we don't have, um, that we can't access digitally, that we can't access from home. But, you know, yeah, it was all models on the cover. You know, Nikki Taylor, I think, was on the cover like 15 times. Like even in the course of a year, it would be like the same model three times. Totally. Um, so definitely the the breadth of people that we, that we celebrate and feature today is much different. Yeah. And just think about like the products that didn't exist too, like highlighter. Yeah. Botox. <laughs> yep. Do y'all find that certain celebrities – like perform better in terms of like people getting eyeballs on the magazine or on the website like like musicians versus actresses versus you know tiktok stars things like that so funny i was just talking this morning about cardi b (laughs) cardi b does phenomenally well for us online like phenomenally well um but yeah i think like what i'm particularly proud of at allure has been I feel like we have gone outside of the realm of the expected cover star. Um, you know, 10 years ago, not even that long ago, it was there was a lot of like Jenny Aniston and Taylor Swift, and I love them so much, but they were on every single cover. And so it's been really important for us to kind of look outside and think more story-based sometimes as well. That sometimes a magazine cover, let's say, is more than just who the person is. Um, the, the example I always use is that we did a cover back in 2017 with Halima Adden, and it had the line, this is American Beauty Now. And so she was in her hijab. It was right around the time of the Trump travel ban. So it's like the story itself had this much larger meaning, even though Halima at the time was not a, not a household name. And she certainly is now, and she's become um, you know, much more of a, a known model. But I think that's been super awesome. Um, but yeah, always like the people, I guess, who you might expect, like the Beyonce's and Rihanna's, um, the Kardashians definitely do well online and on social still. I think, you know, you always have the half of people who love them and then the half that hate them. Um, but they certainly do. I mean, it's no secret to you guys as well. I'm sure on, on the, the sites and brands that you worked on that. It's I like, love to hear that do Cardi perform. does well, though, because I'm a big Cardi fan. She's fabulous. Me too. But but I feel like music in general, like our, our K-pop cover that we did last year for our best of global beauty issue, which wound up hitting at the height of a pandemic, which we would not have 
we, we did not plan for, but it did phenomenally well. And it was Jiho was the cover, who certainly is not, you know, it wasn't Blackpink. It wasn't, it wasn't a name, you know, Jiho wasn't as, as well known maybe as some other K-pop stars in the U.S. And just the fan base is incredible. Um, and JB, we had a digital cover that launched simultaneously um, with a male K-pop star named JB. And just like the engagement was incredible. Um, the world of K-pop and K-beauty is definitely very, very dynamic. I loved that issue. All the stories. Yeah. And was it Devin who did a lot of the stories? Yep. Yes. Amazing. Um, I actually just watched the Blackpink documentary. I don't know if any of you guys have watched it yet. It's so good. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard good things about it, though. I like was like, oh, my God, I need to go to Korea. I need to get my nails done by Unistella. Yeah, she did such a beautiful job on Jiho. And our team, so our team was in Seoul at the end of February. So COVID hit, hit there. Like, basically, they landed. And within 24 hours, we were like, oh, my God, I think maybe you need to come back. Wow. And the dedication, they were like, no, the shoot's tomorrow. We're just going to, like, power through. We've got our masks on. It's going to be fine. And so they've been quarantined for longer than we have because then they flew back, you know, weren't allowed to come back to the office. And then basically as soon as their quarantine was up, nobody was coming back to the office. So our audience definitely loved the Selena Gomez cover. And also um, while I was on maternity leave, the team did um, Emma Chamberlain. And that one did phenomenally well, too. And so did Selena. I was telling Kirby, I was trying to find the Selena um, issue because I have like a one little advertorial thing that I did for Monica and I could not find the issue anywhere I went to several targets and CVS and everything I had my husband go out I had my mom go out I told Kirby I was like if you go anywhere and you see it and I finally found it but everyone was looking for that issue <laughs> oh okay good I was gonna say we'll have to send you one <laughs> you know someone great we have access <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk advice. What advice would you give somebody, um, let's say it's a beauty brand, who is looking to maybe break into the industry? Um, I have had a few phone calls with people over the course of this year that are like, yeah, so I decided I wanted to start my own brand and then March happened. So what would be, you know, I'm sure you get, you feel these questions a lot, but what advice would you have for someone that has started their own brand and they're really looking to get access to beauty editors or get placement or um, build relationships with beauty editors? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's know who you are and also do your research about the industry and know your place in the market. Um, we all get so many emails and so you have to be able to capture someone's attention within that first paragraph and understand that you know for a while it's actually kind of slowed down a little bit but for a span of maybe like six to eight months every other email I was getting was we're a new CBD beauty brand and blah blah, blah. and like that's fine and you know but let me know how you see yourself positioned among the rest of the market. Like, why should I pay attention to your CBD beauty brand versus any of the others? And I also think that editors, um, brands and founders need to realize we're kind of skeptics to begin with, right? Like we, we're coming at things from a very journalistic viewpoint. And so we don't want your false claims. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, if you're giving us a something too lofty and something where we're like, I don't know, this just doesn't smell right. Um, we can see through that type of thing. So I think like know who you are, 
know how to tell not only your brand and your product story, but also know how to tell your founder story. Because there are a lot of different ways to get a story published or a video um, done or something. Sometimes it is understanding that you as a founder have a fascinating story, and then that's the way into your products. But if you make an editor's life easier by kind of spoon feeding them, here's what the story is, here's how my product is so innovative compared to what else is out there, um, we will absolutely love you for that. I would say, you know, the same. I would say kind of do the work up front. So if you are, you know, if it is a skincare brand and you're making very specific claims or any supplement, like we don't have time to meet with you unless you show us clinicals. You know, if we get something, I just got something recently about a um, a supplement that was going to reduce gray hair, like, you know, that actually affected the pigments. So you'd have less gray hair, like until we see clinicals on this magic pill you, you know we, we can't take half an hour to hear about um to hear about it because it's just going to be marketing so yeah the more you can give us up front definitely the better that's a great point um what about aspiring beauty editors maybe somebody that's looking to change careers or is just getting into it um maybe just graduated from journalism school if they're coming to meet with you and they're looking or they're looking to grab some time with you what's the best way to do that Mm, that's a tough one. It's a tough one because I used to say, and I think I said it on another podcast at some point a while ago, that I was like, I read all of my DMs and I try and respond to people. I, I, I don't do that anymore. I really can't. And so I definitely get a bunch of people reaching out on either DM or like email being like, hey, I would love to have an informational interview. Can I sit down with you for 30 minutes? And like, I just can't. Like, there's not enough time in the day. Um, so my advice to people is always... Like, I, I will sort of say sometimes if the mood strikes me, you know, I don't have time to sit down for half an hour. If you want to send me two questions, I can answer two questions for you. That way it's sort of like it's targeted and I can do it in my own time. But the thing it always comes back around to is, like, if you want to be a writer, let's say, write a ton. Like, just try and get as many clips as possible wherever you can. And so ultimately... I say wherever you can, but it does matter where you're getting published because, for example, if you write for Allure and then you try and write somewhere else, having that, I guess, like check mark from Allure is, is super valuable, right? Then you're going to be able to get assignments elsewhere. And so depending on where you write, it's like those assignments will just build on one another, even if you're writing something short. So that would be like my advice is like, don't always try and just write the long feature, even if you're writing something short. If you're then getting a couple names of like media brands under your belt, that's it's super helpful. Um, and then use every connection you can. Um, I think that it is partly who you know too, that um, it's certainly helpful if you have an introduction into somewhere of another editor who can say, hey, this is my friend so-and-so, they would love to write for you. It's really hard to kind of get through that initial like pile of emails for people. Um, but yeah, especially when you're starting out, I think just write as much as you can and also learn how to do other elements of content too. That as we were talking about before, like if you do audio, if you do video, if you're really great at social media, all of those things when it comes to hiring have become much more valuable too. Jenny, what would your advice be for someone who is maybe they're like, I can't get any access to, uh, you know, professional beauty websites? Um, what would you say to them? Like, would you say just start a blog or? Yeah, I was going to say I have, you know, if you if you have a blog, you know, obviously a professional looking 
you know, website or but even if it's just a website with your writing that hasn't been published, um, it's better than nothing, you know, as a way to see what your voice is like. I think, you know, social media presence for better or worse does really matter. Like obviously in hiring, you know, we're not looking at the number of followers, but like what is your aesthetic? What is your taste level? How do you pull together, you know, every little post on your grid is kind of its own little story, you know? So how did you pull that together visually and in terms of the copy? Um, I think that's important, you know, and I think to just know if you are trying to, you know, talk to, talk to an editor, get an in somewhere, everybody is looking at your feed. So take note of what is on there. Even if they scroll back a year, um, you know, pay, pay attention to that, I think. When we were hiring at Pop Sugar, that's like the first thing I would do if I was hiring a producer to help me on set. I'd want to know, okay, do they care about beauty? Do they have like a, an enthusiasm about beauty? And then from there, when we get into the interview, like one of the first things I would ask is like, you know, what's your beauty diet like? Like, what are you consuming? And if they weren't reading beauty websites or they weren't following like, you know, Instagram accounts that I think are important to develop ideas after, I'd be a little... I'd be like, okay, do they really care about beauty or do they just want the fun perks of this job? Uh, so I, I love that you're giving them actionable advice on, okay, Michelle's like, by the way, probably not going to respond to your DM. <laughs> <laughs> and Jenny's like, start a blog, get on YouTube, do whatever you think you need to do in order. Do, yeah, something so we can see. See it. Who yes, you are. exactly. Love it. But also I feel like the nature of beauty jobs is changing because it used to be everyone would say, okay, I want to be a beauty editor and I'm, I'm going to work at a magazine or I'm going to work at a website. And now I feel like beauty jobs are kind of spreading all over the place too, that you have so many brands that are launching content and that have their like huge Instagram um, handles and stuff. So it's like, I think that beauty jobs are kind of moving in different directions. So especially when you're starting out, if you cast a wider net and you maybe go and you work at Fenty, you work at Maybelline, you work at, you know, any other brand or something, it's like that's also a good inroad too. Kirby and I, in what we started this podcast, because, you know, there aren't very many public beauty publications out here in LA, obviously, right? We'd have to move to New York. And we never knew that it would take off the way that it did. Um, I mean, we're always still really surprised that people are listening to Los Angeles and that we have the support that we do. But, you know, it was just an idea that we had and it's been so fun and we've, you know, had such amazing guests and um, it's just, yeah, like it was an idea and now it's like kind of a job. It's like, our, you know, when we introduce ourselves, it's like what we say we do and never in a million years would I have thought that, right? Kind of a job. <laughs> Right. Sorry, Kirby. It's like your full time job and then some. I was I was saying kind of a job. This is our job. I sleep, eat and breathe. Yeah, I, I love the podcast audiences because I feel like it is so intimate, right? Because you're sitting down with people like an audience for a long extended period of time and just getting to talk and talk and talk. I find that whenever I'm on a podcast, like the messages that I get after that are so much more just like enthusiastic and like, oh my gosh, I love this um, than any other platform. And I love that people can just make their own beauty space now, you know, in a way that certainly 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, you couldn't, you know, whether it's a podcast or just your own personal Instagram feed, um, 
you can kind of get your voice out there and see if people respond, you know? Um, well, that segues us perfectly into the next question. The real reason why you both are here, you both launched a podcast, The Science of Beauty. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, Thank this you. is like totally a podcast that Kirby and I just can't get enough of because it's definitely, we are both obsessed with the science of beauty, obviously. If you look back at any of our old episodes, like we have episodes that are just dedicated to ingredients. Um, so you both could have done a podcast about anything. Why did you guys decide to do one on the science of beauty? Well, I think, um, I mean, science, obviously, for Allure has been such a huge thing for its almost 30 years. Um, but when we really started thinking about podcasts and like just what the subject would be, you know, for the past five years that I've been at Allure, people have been asking me, like, how do you guys, how are you going to compete with YouTube? How are you going to compete with influencers? And I'm like, we're so different. I think that as an Allure editor, you know, you obviously have your own personal opinions about products and trends and other things, but all of our editors are really so knowledgeable about the science behind things. And I think it's something that as a good journalist, as a good beauty journalist, you're so steeped in those things, like you were saying, Sarah, like ingredients and other things that I think that I have always wanted us to lean a little bit more into that side. So this was really our way of, of solidifying that. And I think Jenny and I know a lot about beauty, but I have learned so much and I honestly have changed my entire skincare routine and just like my routine in general based on us recording these episodes because, you know, again, you can be like steeped in beauty for years and years and years, but when you hear a dermatologist tell you truly about like how sunscreen works and how if you're not using it, you can literally throw the rest of your skincare out the window. It's like I now, like I said, I, I sit here with the sunscreen next to me and I reapply it every two hours. Um, I've, I've just changed so many things from really understanding how things work. We just recorded an episode um, about hair recently and like I, I just, I washed my hair this morning and I put in, um, I use like heat protectant. I was not always like super into heat protectant, but understanding what happens to, you know, when your cuticle opens up and everything and like the damage that's going into it with the heat, I have have truly, it's, it's changed me so much. How about you, Jenny? I would say the same that, you know, learning kind of what's happening on a cellular level, even though I've reported on it in the past, but it's something more intimate too, I think, about the podcast experience and like you could be more... The interviews are more a little more personal than I feel like that, you know, I'm Jenny Bailly and I'm reporting this story for the February issue of Allure or whatever. You know, you kind of get more real with these scientists. They tell you the the straight story. Um, yeah, and I think, I think before, Allure is kind of the first, in my opinion, kind of the first beauty publication that like talked to cosmetic chemists about half their stories, you know, that like really went behind the scenes. Um, so this is a way to kind of celebrate that history in a more modern way. And it's just, we're doing the, we're doing the science of beauty because it's the hardest thing. And I feel like we always pick the hardest thing. <laughs> well, it, it has been hard. It has been we hard. We didn't know what, at least I didn't know what we were getting into. Yeah, it's been a lot. Of, it's been a lot of research. And I will say Jenny and I have been doing a lot of experiments too. We did baby foot for our episode on acids um, what else did we do, Jenny? We washed our hair with apple cider vinegar and honey for our episode on shampoo. <laughs> it's been fun. That's awesome. I was going to say, I feel like beauty, I mean, obviously Allure readers and, you know, even our, our listeners, they're just so much more savvy. I feel like this is perfect because it really, 
you know, gives them answers all of their questions. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? The the internet has made it readily available that it's like there is so much information out there. So I think the consumer is like really knowledgeable about a lot of things and there's so much information about ingredients and like but at the same time there's a lot of misinformation too. So I think that's also why it was important for us to just like really distill Okay, what should you believe? So I have a personal request. If you haven't, can you please do an episode on parabens? Because I think that that is just right now in terms of topics of conversation, a question we constantly get asked about. People are like, should I be using parabens? Like, is it okay to have them in my products? Or should I just be strictly going paraben free? Um, A few years ago, I did a video on like, what are parabens for pop sugar? And so much new information has come out since then that I would personally love to hear y'all interview a legit like cosmetic formulator, um, scientist, cosmetic chemist to talk about parabens and and you know their purpose and why they're important and um, what they do or don't do to the skin. I mean, they're better than mold, in my opinion. Ex- but that that should. You should do the PR for parabens. They're better than mold. Like that needs to be the tagline. Even if we always say like, even if parabens got like the best publicist on the planet, I don't know if they'd be able to come back from what they've been through. Parabens needs banana bread's publicist, (laughs) right? Um, Love it. I mean, we haven't, we've touched on, you know, a lot of our episodes do touch on clean beauty. Obviously, when you're talking about ingredients, that kind of quote-unquote clean um, issue comes up or in the hair episodes you know there's been a lot of talk about silicones and sulfates and certain words that have become kind of you know not hotly debated let's say um, and certain ingredients but we haven't done any I mean it would be great but also a lot of work you guys but to do one episode that was just really focused on like parabens and phthalates and um, you guys might have to do like a whole season of like also the science of clean beauty, quote unquote. I mean, right? That could be a 12 episode totally. arc. Yeah, it's a full Netflix series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So the first three episodes of the science of beauty are topics near and dear to our hearts, Sarah. One being sunscreen, one being hyperpigmentation, and one being pores. Y'all, I actually watched a like a infomercial last night when I was trying to get my puppy to go to sleep that said pores open and close, and it was very upsetting to me. Oh, no. No, like a door? Yeah. I was like, wow, this information is just really still going strong. Um, so we constantly get asked by these uh, about these topics as well. Like Sarah and I, we talk about sunscreen. I feel like most of our episodes include a sunscreen mention. I have melasma, so hyperpigmentation. <gasps> me is- too. Jenny, yes, feel my pain. Feel it. Um, it's terrible. Melasma sucks. And then pores. Obviously, I think everyone wants to know, can I, Mm. yeah, do my pores, will they ever get smaller no matter like what I'm doing to my skin? So in y'all's opinion, Texan coming out here, y'all, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions about those three topics? Well, pores, you mentioned it already, that they can open and close for sure. But I also think like when we were talking about, I don't remember if we were even recording at the beginning of like talking about the pretty filter on Zoom, like there is definitely this belief now that you can have quote unquote poreless skin because we're all seeing ourselves and each other on filters so much and it's just not going to happen. You can certainly make them appear somewhat smaller. 
um, but you can't make them, you know, shrink or, or enlarge in. But I think so much of it comes back to sunscreen. Like, I feel like that's that's been like the, the major theme of so many of our episodes was even with pores, like if you're not using sunscreen, it's really, it's harming your pores and then they can get sort of lax and then they appear larger. And so every single conversation kind of keeps coming back to daily sunscreen use and also reapplying. Um, misconceptions though, I'm trying to think. Jenny, can you think of any? I mean, I think about it with sunscreen. I don't know if it's a misconception or just lack of education. You know, I don't think there's a full understanding of like how much protection you need, you know, that really you're only protected for a couple of hours, that at the end of the day, none of us are using even close to the amount of sunscreen that would get us the SPF that's on the label. So you're never as protected as you think you are. Um, And then I think back to the clean conversation, there's so much confusion, and I feel like the FDA hasn't really helped us out on what is safe. You know, it's been, what, a year, more than a year since the FDA said, you know, we're not saying chemical sunscreens are not safe, but we just don't know if they are safe. And then they just went away. Like, they were they were supposed to give an update last fall that never happened. So there's just this big kind of question mark and point of concern there. And... Hopefully it'll be resolved because I feel like we do know for certain that the sun damages your skin and it causes cancer. And um, so I think we need to have, you know, confidence in in sunscreen ingredients. Yeah. And we did talk in our pores episode about pore strips because I feel like those have been somewhat controversial of people being like, do they work? Do they not work? Um, The dermatologist who we spoke to said it's only really getting the pores on the very surface. So it's not really doing much, but... At the same time, they are fun. Yeah. They are fun. And so satisfying. That was Shireen Idris. She was like, yeah, sorry, Jenny. That's just like the hairs on the outside of your nose. It's like, really? <laughs> and just a little bit, you know, it takes away just, I didn't realize quite how deep pores were, I don't think. Or how they could how they could dilate. Because we, we had Dr. Pimple Popper on and we were, we watched one of her videos with her and she was extracting this crazy blocked pore. I mean, it was like the size of a dime, but it was a single pore that had become so clogged. Yeah, and when she took it out, it was like a bullet. Like it was, it was big. Yeah, it was. It was very. It was very cathartic. But it was also the dilation. I mean, it was like childbirth. I'm like, how really a pore can get that big? So hard. Oh, I have to watch that. Pores are like vaginas all over your face. Okay, Um, that's enough to scare y'all about your pores. Like, Jenny, that's going to be the title of this episode. Congratulations. Acids. I'm excited for acids. Are you excited for that, Michelle? I'm super excited about that. We have one. um, So we actually, our back half of episodes are all about hair. And so we have one also about scalp. And it's another one where it's become such a hot topic in recent years. And I also am having some scalp issues right now. So I definitely can't wait for that one. I feel like in the last year, everyone has come out with a scalp product. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh my God, have I been neglecting my scalp? Like my poor scalp. Do I need all of these, you know, clarifying scalp cleansers or whatever? Excited to listen to that one. I feel like I need one. You will find out. Sorry, Jenny, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say we have an episode coming up on stress, um, you know, and how it impacts the hair and the skin. And that one is really fascinating as well. I feel like timely and fascinating. Yep. Required listening that right there. We are going to end this episode with this. We could literally talk to you guys for the next four hours. I think we would have so much fun, but I don't know if people want to listen to a five hour podcast. 
Alas. But I want to stay on this Zoom call and not go to my next one. This one's better than the production meeting. We'll have you guys back on. So this is a speed round. We do this with our guests. We just love to hear like off the top of your head answers. They can be as long or as short as you prefer. These are all just fun things, beauty related, and they're all your personal preference. So let's just dive right in. Um, you did mention CE for Rulik, but what is one skincare product you cannot live without? I have one. Well, I really like Skin Medica's TNS serum. I think it genuinely, when I use it at least once a day, I try to use it twice a day, but at least once a day, I just notice a difference in my skin. There's, I think it helps with the melasma. There's like kind of a firmness and a bounciness that I don't have when I'm not using it. I need to get that on my face. Do you know what the like main ingredient is? Gr- uh, growth factors. <gasps> oh, okay. So I'm, from, I remember the factor. early days of Allure, yeah, reporting on the growth factors from um, foreskin, infant foreskin. Yep. Yep. Which was a juicy topic for us to dive into. It's been around for a while, but yeah. So someone just sent me that product and I'm going to go slather oh, it over it. my face after yeah, this. Yeah, infant okay. foreskin. Go for it. <laughs> So for me, I try so many different things that it's hard for me to say like one. Um, I'll I'll mention two, I guess. I am definitely very into the SK2 um, Patera Essence. Love that. But in combination with um, my daily moisturizer that I use quite a bit is by Revive. It's the dark spot corrector with SPF in it. So I will do... like I said, I'm not joking around about sunscreen, so I will layer my sunscreens. I have like a sunscreen wardrobe at this point. That one I think has like a 25 SPF. Um, but what I like about it, and it is a little bit pricey, it's, it's a little bit of a splurge. Um, what I like about it is that it has almost like a pearlescent glow to it. And like I mentioned, I am not into like a matte look. So I like just after I put it on, I feel super glowy afterwards. Awesome. Okay. The first beauty product that you fell in love with. I mean, there was like, I don't, was I in love with it? You know, I loved, I, I loved my Noxzema. I felt like that was really, the tingling meant that it was really going to make me beautiful. Yeah. My first one that I, like my first entry into beauty was really Olay. Cause like my mom had when, when it was like oil of Olay and it was like the little pink glass bottle. And I still can like remember the smell of it. Um, but I felt, I also had Noxzema too. And I would do like a Noxzema facial and like just feel so fancy and then I would like wash that off and then put on my mom's like oil of Olay and just be like I'm so fancy (laughs) that's amazing I love that favorite drugstore products Mm, my favorite drugstore products are mascaras like I have super short straight lashes and so the biggest thing for me with mascara is I want something that's going to hold a curl so I'll curl my lashes and so two of them that I'm using right now um, CoverGirl Lash Blast Waterproof genius it's awesome and then maybelline total is it total temptation isn't i always forget the name of it it's in the, sort of like a bluish green um uh, wand that one's really great also but always waterproof so for anyone who has um short straight lashes like mine if you go for waterproof it holds a curl so much better than regular i love it i love a drugstore mascara i love the maybelline have you used the new maybelline lash lift no it's like the silver tube with purple writing. Purple, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like there could be a whole episode on people just describing mascara tubes. Like no one ever knows the name. They're like, it's like the light pink <laughs> with the black chunky font. I think that one's part of the falsies. 
I think. Maybe? Yeah, that whole false design is great. Mascaras are so confusing. The taxonomy of mascaras I find very confusing. But I use the Maybelline Lash Lift almost every day lately. I like it. Oh, okay. Um, what's your favorite splurge? It can be also like, it doesn't have to be of all time. It can be like currently. What's your favorite beauty splurge? I mean, my clay de Poe foundation for sure. But I also have been using the Augustinus Bader body cream which just won a Best of Beauty Award. It's really so good. good. It's really good. Kirby and I always talk about Augustinus on the pod and we're like, sorry guys, it's so good, but it's so expensive. Yeah. You know what it is? So um, there are warnings on it that if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, you can't use it. So I was I waited until I stopped breastfeeding. And so then I used it on my, I had like, um, you know that line that you get on your, your stomach after pregnancy? Yeah, the linea negra. I had that. And I think it was fading anyway, but it's like, you know, I'm a little stretchy in the midsection area there. So I started using the body cream and I really feel like it's making a difference. Oh, hot tip. I'm going to use that. Thanks. <laughs> I've been using another. It's also a Best of Beauty winner from this year from our splurge category. But um, La Mer has, I think it's called the Oil and Balm. It's another body product. It comes in a tube. Have you guys used that one? You're nodding. We're big La Mer fans. Yes. I love how it smells. When we've asked other beauty editors like what their big splurge is, they tend to go towards body care because um, it's always put by the wayside. People are like face, neck. Like, well, we're struggling to get people to <laughs> put skincare on their neck and their decollete these days, but I think they're learning. But when it comes to the rest of your body, I think it's just, you know, a second thought. So... Definitely a splurge. I love that. What is the biggest beauty trend you think we'll see in 2021? Probably not a lipstick trend. I don't know if we know it yet. (laughs) I know. It's also been right not having the shows in the same way. You know, that's always informed so much like on on the hair and makeup front. I mean, I do think the... We've all been obsessed with skincare for a long time and kind of leaning into our skincare routines. But I think that's been, you know, for beauty enthusiasts, at least over the last few months, that's just been even more cemented kind of into our consciousnesses, consciousnesses, you know, kind of that, that, that ritual, that, you know, self-care moment of skincare. I'm ready to start caring about my hair again, too, because I think, um, you know, for a while, I definitely, um, I didn't stop wearing makeup, but I I wore a little bit less makeup and then I discovered I love wearing makeup. I love putting on my makeup. It's like a great ritual. And then my hair has been the one thing that's kind of fallen by the wayside. But I don't know. I'm kind of into the idea of getting back into it again um, and not only just caring for it, but I don't know if you follow Justine Marjan on Instagram, but she was doing all these like great like heatless styles and stuff. And I had gotten really into braiding for a while a couple of years ago, and I'm just kind of ready to bring that back again. So I'm hoping that in 2021 there's a lot more of maybe it is heatless styles and like air drying products and stuff but just so we kind of get back into that again i wonder if bright hair color will come back because i remember at one point we were reporting on like candy coated highlights like every other week there was like a new sweet delectable trend that went to hair color so because people you can see the hair instead of like the entire face while wearing a mask i wonder if that will become popular. I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like those um, inflammaging products will become really big in 2021 just because people are going through maskne like hell right now. And I think the big push will be like anti-inflammatory type uh, beauty products, skincare products. So we'll see about that. And we are getting a lot of hair 
pitches about hair color, you know, from from writers who want, I mean, I don't know if it's staring at yourself on this Zoom screen all day or just wanting like some kind of pick me up and that's a way to do it. But people who are just talking about kind of obsessing over their hair color over the last eight months. And I have to say all of my text chains with my friends by the end of March were about hair color. Like I was like, you guys, it's only been two weeks. Like your hair color can't have fallen off a cliff already. And it was just the panic of like <laughs> my roots and what's going to happen. Isn't that crazy? Totally. How people all of a sudden needed a haircut when they hadn't gotten a haircut in like <laughs> eight months. The minute they were told salons were closed, they're like, but what am I What am I going to do? I think that what you said, Kirby, about the color is probably so true because, yeah, we're probably going to still have to wear masks well into 2021. And so what better way to express ourselves than with, you know, will the unicorn hair trend come back? I mean, will we ever stop wearing masks? Like, I don't know. I'm now like... When I get back on the subway yeah. in 2025, I'm wearing Totally. A mask. It'll be like Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to change the way that we move forward forever, which is wild. It's a good idea. For all my kids' play dates, I'm going to be like, hey, Jack, put on a mask. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be no flu season anymore. Okay. Last question. You guys probably get this question all the time, but we want to know what is the best piece of beauty advice you've ever received? I honestly don't get that question all the time. I ask it all the time. Don't pick your pimples. <laughs> I mean, this isn't like, I'll try to come up with a better like specific tip, but um, but Val Monroe, who is the beauty director at O for, I don't know, 15 years, maybe a long time. And she's another person. She, be- she became a beauty editor in her 50s, I think. I feel like you even worked with Val at one point. At- I did. I did. That was one of my jobs that I was talking about. So I worked at parenting. She was one of my editors. And she's great. And she, you know, and she's written books, but like she had never covered beauty and then was hired by Amy Gross, who's the editor-in-chief of, um, of O, to be their beauty director. So it was amazing. She was really bringing this like totally fresh perspective. But she said to me once, look at, you have to learn to look at yourself like you look at a friend. When you look in the mirror at yourself, look at yourself the way you look at a friend. You would never look at your best friend, you know, at someone you love and think, oh, her and oh what's going on with that eyebrow and you know you look at them with like a compassion that I think we don't always give ourselves and that was that was a nice bit of beauty advice because beauty is a lot more fun when you're looking at yourself with with love you know and that one's so nice Jenny I'm like don't pick your pimples (laughs) I mean also don't pick your pimples and pore strips are just ripping the hairs off your nose. But yeah, I'm trying to think of something like just a really good tip. I feel like, Michelle, you're good at beauty. Like, Michelle can braid and do a cat eye and like do her own nails. I don't have those skills. Like, I can ask all, all the right questions backstage on how to do a cat eye, but then I get in front of the mirror and I'm like, ooh, that did not go well. I just, I teach myself through sheer will. Like, I was so bad at braiding and I was so embarrassed about my braiding skills that I one day just like, it took me several weeks to like really get it, but I must have done it over and over and over again. Oh, so you practiced. I guess I could try that. (laughs) I was just always like, I don't have this skill. No, well, someone was asking me about how to do a cat eye too. And I was like, are you kidding? It's taken me years, like years. And I still, there are certain times where I do it and one is up, one is down. And so, yeah, it takes a lot of work. That makes me feel better. I did um, Jenna Lyons, you know, of J. Crew fame, the former creative director of J. Crew. She just launched Love Scene, and it's a line of false lashes and in like all different styles. And I have never successfully 
applied lashes to myself, but I did. And I wish I remember which style I had used, but I got the love scene lashes on and I practiced and they looked amazing. And I think now it's going to be for like the most special Zoom moments. I think I might do that. That's the thing. A lot of my friends are like, how do you do your makeup? I can't figure it out. And I'm like, okay, well, like walk me through how you do your makeup. And they're like, well, usually I'm in the car driving. I'm like, okay, that's that's a problem. That's a problem. We got to get in front of a stationary mirror. Large one. I put on I put yeah. on my blindfold and turn off the lights. No, totally. <laughs> or they only do it like once and then they fail and they're like, oh, I just, I can't do it. It's not for me. And I'm like, no. Yeah, that's me. I yeah. think that's me. I'm like, well, that was messy. <laughs> not going to do that again. I mean, my eyebrows were a point of contention in my personal life. I was like, how am I supposed to figure this out? And then sisters, not twins became my mantra. Now I'm like, okay with my eyebrows. They're still not perfect, but I figured it out after years of practice. So there's hope for me. Same, same. I got mine. I got mine microbladed, and they still are sisters, not twins. But I have to like fill them in a little bit. But I've I've come to terms with it. <laughs> Michelle, the microblading like actually kind of helps when I fill it in. It like it gives you the little bit of the outline so that you feel like you actually know where you're placing the hairs versus just a blank slate of uh, I don't I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm still I'm still trying to think of my best beauty advice, like a, a, a practical tip. I might have to email you guys after. You guys offered so many tips in this episode, okay, so okay. don't even worry about it. Um, thank you both for taking time to come on. Again, it was such an honor to have you guys, and we're so excited about your podcast. Where can our listeners find the podcast, and where can they find you guys to follow your work or on social? You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Hey Michelle Lee. And I'm on Instagram as J Bailly, J B A I L L Y. This podcast also, by the way, has made me realize that like some of my dear friends don't know how to pronounce my last name because they're texting me like, I love the podcast, but also, wait, your name's not Jenny Bailey? <laughs> <laughs> And some of them, they're good friends of mine. They know my parents. And so my de- my father's French, his name is Henri Claude. And I'm like, you really thought his name was Henri Claude Bailey? Like, no, there's there's no <laughs> E. It's just two L's and a Y. Anyway, so J by E. Wow, incredible. Learning so much through this podcast, Jenny. <laughs> um, Glam Gelinos, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I hope you had just as much as fun as we did. You know where to find us. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Los Angeles Pod. Our website is glossangelespod.com. You can access Jenny and Michelle's episode there along with all their product recommendations, links to the podcast, everything you could possibly want from this episode will be there. And if you're on Facebook, go ahead and join our Facebook group where you can get other recommendations from Glam Gelinos themselves. And we will talk to you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.